I'm sorry to say that I caught a cold this past week. I don't know where I got it, but um, it went straight to my throat. So I, I picked um, all of my favorite hymns to end the calendar year with you on Monday. And then by Tuesday, I had laryngitis. And so I'm not able to chime in with you, but you're all doing a fantastic job. So I'm sorry for that. I, one of my favorite things about going to church on Sunday is singing the hymns, and I'm not um, enjoying that part so much today. Today is the very last day of the church year calendar, the Sunday next before Advent, and this is time for us to stir up. So, ladies, get to it. We're expecting great things, pies and cakes, and yes, even Scott McCurley told me that he expected me to finally come through with my years-long promise to make bishop's bread, which is a recipe that I've been promising him for so long. It's just fruitcake, but it's called bishop's bread. I'm not quite sure um, what the connection is there, except for the fact that it's swimming in brandy. So I don't know what that says about the hierarchy of the church. The collect of the day sets the theme Stir up, we beseech thee, O Lord, the wills of thy faithful people, that they, plenteously bringing forth the fruit of good works, may of thee be plenteously rewarded through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And we, perhaps, were still fumbling with our hymnals or still arriving with sleep in our eyes and so didn't really pay attention to the words of that great collect. But the fact of the matter is, is that in its very words seems puzzling. It's not nearly evangelical enough. Plenteously bringing forth the fruit of good works may by thee be plenteously rewarded. That doesn't sound evangelical at all. Even the medieval collect that it replaced, this is actually a collect by Archbishop Thomas Cranmer of the Reformed Age. He wrote this collect based on the one that had preceded it for centuries through those dark medieval times. But even the medieval collect said, bringing forth the fruit of divine work. On the face of it, it seems as though the Reformed collect actually takes a step away from the doctrines of grace. The medieval collect goes on to talk about how it is that the Holy Spirit is the active agent in the midst of the congregation of the church. And so it seems that we have a rather strange collect to collect all of our thoughts, all of our intentions over the preceding year. That's how this collect stands in our mind, in our, in our prayer book is to collect everything that we have learned, everything that we have heard, everything that we have achieved is collected up into this strange collect, plenteously bringing forth the fruit of good works that we may be plenteously rewarded. But I would offer to you this morning the opportunity and the necessity of good works is entirely biblical. Paul tells his young protege, Titus, let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. There it is again, the language 
of bringing forth the fruit of good works. And so I aim to show you this morning in my homily today that it is indeed the object, the objective, the goal of all good Christians that they must indeed produce the fruit of good works, and that that is entirely scriptural. Just in the same way as God himself in his triune nature is working through his created order, the natural cosmic world, to bring forth the fruit of the earth, so we are to understand how it is that God's own spirit continues working within us that same fruit. We are not to be some kind of exception to the natural world. No, as the world itself brings brings forth seed time and harvest, we in our own hearts and minds, in our works of our bodies, in our hands and our feet, we too must be fruitful in ourselves. So Paul can write to the Philippian church, those newly converted Macedonians, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And we hear each Sunday at the offertory sentences, we hear these words from the gospel according to Matthew, let your light So shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And again, Paul to his young protege Titus, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. You see, my friends, the theme of Trinity that we have been observing all of these dozens of weeks, the theme of Trinity that feeds over now into the beginning of the new church year in the advent of our Lord, these both share in this one theme that we are not to be idle, but as we expect with hope the arrival of our triumphant king, we serve daily, moment by moment, as the prayer book teaches us, his faithful soldiers and servants until our lives end. We are to live as though the king is to arrive at any moment. And this, of course, is contrary to modern American Christianity, which is often too occupied and concerned with the way that we feel about things. Authentic religion is only a matter of one's emotional state, If I do not feel warm towards God or to my neighbor, then I must not really be a Christian. But this is foreign from the mind of the scriptures. The church, in her wisdom, reminds us moment by moment of the sober duties required of each of us. I may not feel loving toward you today, but wouldn't I be a really crummy priest if I used that as an excuse not to care for you? I know that you may be shocked for me to make that confession that sometimes I don't feel very priestly. But the fact of the matter is, is that sometimes I don't feel very priestly. But I put my collar back on and I wander back out and Scott buys me a cup of coffee and it all turns out okay. (laughs) It is true that each one of us, moment by moment, finds ourselves weak in the midst of the calling that God has placed upon us. But we are to go forth in the strength, not of our own minds and hearts, but in strength of his spirit that has been given to us. 
So this collect, the collect of Thomas Cranmer, reminds us that the fruit is the fruit of the Spirit, that these works that we are to produce are not ones that are generated from our own efforts, but instead they are virtues. The difference between work and virtue is that a virtue is the habit or character that reflects our identity as Christians. We are God's temple filled by his own spirit. You may say, oh, but did not Paul himself condemn justification by works? Indeed, he did in his letter to the Galatians. For one, we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, but because by works of the law no one will be justified. So Paul writes to the Galatians. But isn't it odd then that that same Paul in that same letter, as he concludes his exhortation to the Galatians, says these words, that the ones who work are the ones who work according to the flesh, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy. These are the works that he is condemning. He says, to conclude that same passage, the Spirit itself is working in our midst. And if the Spirit is authentic, it will bear good fruit. Prayer, fasting, tithing, tithing, feeding the poor. It will bring forth the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. Against these, there is no law. So you see, my friends, Paul does not condemn works because works themselves are necessary as a result and evidence of God's presence in our lives. It is the works of the flesh that he condemns. So back to our collect, then, the main petition of our collect should be clear, that we pray that God stir up our wills, that we might be faithful people. We should be praying moment by moment, day by day, that God himself will activate our choosing, our volition, our will, so that when we hear the call upon our lives, we will answer yes. The beginning of the thing is the hardest, whatever that thing may be, whether it be cutting your grass or taking the garbage out, we'd much rather stay near the television or the snack bag. And I say that only from experience this past week. The beginning of the thing, whatever it is, is hardest and we are too content with the lives that we have always lived. To get up, to be stirred up, to move anew, this is always the most difficult part of living the human life, if not the Christian. John Keeble, that great priest in the Church of England in the 1800s and poet, wrote these words for his, for his poem for this Sunday of the church year. The church our annual steps has brought but we no holy fire have caught. Back on the gaudy world, our willful eyes are bent. That is a great description of the human condition. That the church, in her goodness and wisdom, continually brings us Sunday by Sunday through the scriptures, showing us what our duty is, but we have not caught that holy fire. 
and our, our eyes turn wistfully back on the gaudy world. The scriptures speak the same way we find in the book Proverbs, these words, How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. So says the wise king. You see, my friends, the Christian life must be one that is lived actively. The Christian life must be lived. It must not be endured. Trees and rocks sit idly by, but they have no wills to move and to answer. They do the Lord's will by virtue of what he has made them to be. He has made each one of you, including myself, he's made all of us active agents, and he has placed his spirit in our hearts, and he has called to us to answer, to rise up, to follow in the way. But we must stand up. We must follow. We must walk where we have been led by Jesus, our master and king. My friends, the eternal life offered to us in our baptisms is not fire insurance. It is a new way of being human. It has come upon us, yes, in the waters of baptism, but it, like a watered field, cannot lie there without bringing forth fruit after the waters of rain have poured down upon it. So we, each one, looking forward to the season of Advent, pray and pray again, stir up the wills of thy faithful people. Why? That we may bring forth plenteously the fruit of good works, to what end that we may be rewarded. My friends, we come together here at the end of this great and holy year, and we look back upon what God has done for us each individually and in this holy and healthy place of all saints, and we praise God for all of his many blessings to us. And he stands here ready to feed us in the mysterious meal of the altar, like those thousands on the mountainside that we heard in the gospel lesson today as they gathered around Jesus to be fed of that mystical bread and that mystical wine. Most of them, of course, did not know what he had done for them. But we know now, knowing these 2,000 years after he died and rose again for us, that this great meal is the life that is never to end. But we must get up. We must come up to receive it. And then having received it, to leave, speaking the great things that God has done for us. Amen.